Wait, you feel weird swearing at all? Like in all of life? Or just No, I mean I do. Oh, on a recording, it'd be really weird for me. Why? Because you have such a brand of people not swearing in front of you and stuff? No, I, people, are you kidding me? Like people swear on in front of me all the time. I'm a, I, sur- I have a lot of friends who cuss a lot. I just don't really like, I just, okay. I don't know. That's a heavy I brag. Just, I just try, I just try to like not say bad words. <laughs> you know, I'm in the same fucking boat, you know, like I try to not say bad words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Like, I'm, that's what, I agree when people are like, hey, don't swear in the show. And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. That's what I signed up for. You know, like that's how I handle the whole scenario. Um, okay. So for everybody who's listening right now, I need you to know this first before I get into talking to my sister. Uh, I get a lot of people. I want to say about three to five a week that write me or ask me to mentor them into starting stand up, And I am not nice about it i've was nice about it at first and it's just taxing on me and i have written like public things about why i don't want to be people's mentors and people will read it and then immediately like write me and be like but could you be mine like it's ridiculous somebody will ask me i will write a whole thing about how like i don't want to put more of my time into your stand-up career than you do and then they will like it and comment on it. And then they'll send me a DM asking me to read their jokes. Don't want it. It's not what I got into stand-up for. Now, that being said, my sister Marie is with us. She last week asked, she told me she wanted to try stand-up and she's going to need a lot of my help. And I did not respond positively. <laughs> is that correct? Uh, yeah, it's okay. First of all, it's not that I... I was inspired, okay, by watching stand-up comedy, and so that I reached out to you. Not my fault. Not my fault that you were inspired. Yes, but you, my brother, being a comedian, I just decided to text. And you know, you know, sometimes you just have these thoughts, and you just I shared it with him, and I asked him questions, and um, yeah, you definitely did not hold back, even though I'm your sister. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're not supposed to, by the way comedians aren't supposed to hold back <laughs> that's part of the thing it's like you watch a professional asshole because that's like really part of what comedy is is like learning how to like turn your negatives into things you can present right to a person's face and you're like yes. oh wait no why he went full comedian on me he was more comedian that day than your brother uh, but yeah straight up I want this to be a thing that when people ask me to mentor them, I can just give them this. And part of it is going to be so abrasive in the sense that uh, a lot of it is the same answer. It sounds like I'm pushing it off on you, but the fact of the matter is it's your journey and you need to start it. And that's more important than everything else. Yeah. I have gotten to the point that I don't even indulge in the conversation until they've done at least a couple open mics. Yeah, that's what you told me. You said the first thing you got to do is do an open mic. That was the first thing. And then everybody has some idea of the amount of prep they need to do an open mic. And let me tell you, 
zero prep is needed to do an open mic. You go there and people have nothing. It is the point of it because you prepare for this thing that you have no idea what it is, you know, like, but you're just preparing for what in your mind is the perfect ideal scenario. And then after you do a couple open mics, you actually have an idea of what you're preparing for. And I absolutely hate telling you what to prepare for and then having a person just get in like their own head about it. And now I'm fighting their head instead of the reality. Because all your what if scenarios don't matter to me. But all of a sudden they matter to you. So all of a sudden you need them to matter for me. So Marie, as yes, a person who wants to potentially try stand-up, what are the things that you think you need to do more than go to an open mic first? Well, I think first you'd have to figure out what your material would be, like what you'd really you'd be surprised. like. Everyone's worried about the material. The first three years, your material <laughs> shit. You have nothing. Don't worry about it. Get up there. Figure it out first. You know what's going to happen when you go up there with your material? You forget it because people are looking at you and you're dealing with it. <laughs> like that's what You happens. mean I can't use note cards? <laughs> Gross. No. No, you can't use note cards. And guess what? If you just get up there and just read directly after the thing, which I've seen that. People bring their phone. And they just read off their phone directly and they don't even look up because like they look up and that's more nervous than looking down at your phone and just reading into your phone. You're not doing yeah. stand-up yet. That's not what it is. More than half of the art of stand-up is how you interact with the people and how you alpha the entire audience. And so your goddamn jokes that you have zero experience writing that aren't going to be good jokes don't matter. Your first year is about Preach getting it. comfortable. Preach it, brother. Preach it. It's not about preaching. It's about this is Marie walked away. She walked away. (laughs) She's also a mom. And so she's uh, sorry. I had a wrangling babies. Wait, I had a locked door. I had a locked door for just a brief moment. Go ahead. Okay. It's not so much about preaching as much as it's about all these obstacles people put in front of themselves to do an open mic are not real obstacles. And that's the frustration. Is it like, because you want to guess how much I want to help with your material? Zero. Zero percent. Because the way I write jokes is different than the way my friends write jokes. And they're great comedians. And I'm an okay one. And like, we all come about it in different ways through the experience of writing it. Through the experience of doing it, you learn how to write what works for you. So the idea that I'm going to give you something that even works for you, throw that away. You don't even know what you are yet. Also, it's your journey, not mine. I'm not helping you write a goddamn thing. Okay, go ahead. I think, well, you know, from not just my point of view, I think other people could probably reach out to you. I think it's more of like kind of like wanting an approval like if if someone is sharing their jokes with you they kind of just want someone to just acknowledge them and be like yeah that's that's kind of funny or that yeah that's funny I think people are just looking for and go they're feeling completely stupid they want at least one person who's in the field to just say yeah that's actually kind of funny that's what I would think I mean that's I think because I don't know people don't want to look foolish you know what I mean 
but I mean, you're, I know you're going to, but you being a comedian, I think that's why people reach out. Yeah, to but you I because- can't prevent them from looking foolish. Okay, like, I know people don't want to look foolish and I can't prevent that. And you know what? Here's the other part. Try everything. Yeah. You know who I don't think is funny? Some very successful comedians. Some of the best ever. I look at them and I'm like, what are they doing up there? You know, like, it doesn't, I'm not right. You know, like, I'm not gonna, I shouldn't be the thing that does that or not. The audience laughing should be the thing that tells you that or not. And you should be trying every, especially when you're brand new, because you don't know what works for you. There is a cool Jerry Seinfeld thing where somebody asked him, like, do you wish you had an act more like someone else? And he goes, no, we all have the exact act that we can do. It's like, do you know why that person does that? Because that's what works for them. You go up there and after enough years, you figure out what works for you specifically. And then you ride that because you don't know any other way to get those results. And everyone's are different. And so it's like me giving any advice about how I came to be me isn't going to help you. And it's not going to help the next person. And you learn that further along you go. That's why the people that are brand new have the most amount of advice. Because they're excited. They learned a little bit about them. But that doesn't mean that it's right for me or right for them. The only thing that seems to be consistent in everyone's journey is getting up as much as possible. Getting up the first time is the first step. There's no other first step. Everything you think you need to do before getting up is you just being afraid of getting up. How do you get up, you might ask? Uh, Every club has got a little bit of a comedy club. Call them and ask them what their open mic night is. Show up and ask the other comedians once you're there, where are the other open mics? The comedy clubs usually and sometimes don't. Sometimes they're cool with it. Don't know the other open mics or they do and they just don't want to tell you because they want you to come to their place and spend money. But the... Every comic in every city always tries to hit the local clubs because they want to get the paid gigs there. And you can ask them about the open mics and there's always bar shows and things like that everywhere else. But if you can't get up as much as possible, you know, like somebody that only gets up a couple of times a year is just, that's your therapy for it. But you know, like, let's, let's be honest. Let's like, that's, what it is, you can't see a lot of improvement at the gym if you don't go all the time. That's true, and it's, yep. And it's consistently compared to the gym on purpose. We call it the gym and we call it working out. We call it grinding because it, I feel like it's the same. The amount of time you need to put into stand-up to see results is the amount of time you need to put into the gym to see results. Yeah. Um, I didn't hear a a word you said. Oh, go ahead. (laughs) No, you broke up really bad. I mean, I can hear you. You sound robotic. Um, repeat what you said. Oh, I said I think. Um, I think another question. Another question I asked you was, how do you transition from joke to joke? How do you transition from joke to joke? Yeah, like how do you do a smooth transition? Like, if I want to go from one joke to another joke, mm-hmm. like, how Do you think I, that's a thing you need I the first time you get up? I feel like maybe. No. I'll Which tell you George transition. I get it. But these are just, like, people have these questions. I was once asked, how many words do I need for three minutes? Like, they were sitting there counting. But it's, um, that's not a thing you need to worry about if you're thinking about getting into stand-up. Smooth transitions, 
I have never once thought about it. It's never occurred to me. I don't even think I do them well. I think I pause for a long time. And when the laugh dies on the last joke of the bit, I just start the next bit again. You know, like just the way like you get to the next question or the next sentence, I just go to the next one. And no one has ever raised their hand and went, wait, that wasn't smooth. You know, they just, they're just sitting there patiently waiting for the next joke. Audiences can be very nice when you're doing well. If your joke works, they will let you do whatever you need to get to that next joke. Once you make an audience really laugh and then you do it again and you do it again, they give you that leeway unless they're drunk and heckling. And at that point, you're probably more professional than your first show ever. So you're fine. Yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's see here, Aaron. What about... What about you go up there for your first time and mm-hmm. you instantly get people yelling at you saying that you suck? How does one not become discouraged? Um, you're supposed to be discouraged. That's the worst part is that if you feel like you're going to go through this whole journey without being discouraged, then find a different journey. Like this is a journey full of discouragement. This is a journey that takes 10 years to be mediocre. But for those 10 years, you're going to have those things. Which, by the way, the amount of times somebody's yelled at me in these 10 years that I suck is, I think, 0%. I mean, like, it's this isn't the way that happens. Especially when you are crazy nervous because it's your first time. Everyone else in the room gets crazy nervous and clams up with you. So it's just deadly silent. Really, you get a lot of deadly silence. You know, like the only time I've ever really seen people yell, you suck at a comedian is when they go to the Apollo. But that's Mm. not really what happens in a bar, especially when they're sitting amongst eight other comedians. They're like, oh yeah, I'm not turning on them. You have people that think heckling is funny and that that's a different thing. And if it's your first time, go, hey man, it's my first time. (laughs) That's it. You know, like... (laughs) Just own up to it, right? Yes. Because that's all you're trying to do is show your ultimate truth. And if it's your first time, do that. Like, we've all had first days on the job where a customer comes in and asks a thing and you just don't know how to deal with it. And you go, hey, this is my first day. I'm going to ask someone that knows uh, what they're doing. And they go, oh, cool. Thank you. It's the same person is in the audience. You're the same person that doesn't know what you're doing. Always own up yeah. to the moment for what it is. But like... Yeah, I could see that. That's usually never the case your first time. Your first time, you tell the host normally it's your first time. Or they can guess because they've never seen you before. And the comedy communities are all small. And you uh, people yeah. have a certain energy their first time. And you go, hey, is this your first time? Like, I've <laughs> asked that before on some people. Or I'll ask them. Once they're on stage, you can see they're just kind of fiddling with everything. And you're like, okay, yeah. uh, was that your first time? And they say yes, or they go, oh, no, I've only been doing it for like two months. And you're like, they're brand new. Everyone be super nice to them. Thank you so much for coming. Let's like see, like we see someone in the early. You give them a nice introduction their first time. And then we watch them yeah. do one of two things. They eat their dick off and they just do terrible. Or every now and then somebody for their first time 
just fucking fantastic because their friends are there and they're cheering them on and everything's overly great. And those people have to deal with the next three months where their friends stop showing up and they actually have to eat a dick like everyone else. Those are the two Mm. giant hurdles you watch people do. I was lucky and I bombed like the first like three, four times. Got nothing. So it wasn't like I had this expectation that Oh, but like I was no one great. Laughed? What am I doing wrong? Yeah, no one laughed. And it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't like it was like a whole thing where you're like, oh, what was I doing right the first time? It was, oh, I'm doing this all wrong. I got to figure out this thing. When you do well the first time, it's not always because you're doing well the first time. So people yeah. trying to do what they did the first time over and over again, huge mistake. Mm. Yeah. Which I would say is the problem with comedy classes is they teach you how to do your first time. They spend like three months to teach you to go up and do five or 10 minutes for your very first time. And you do it. And I'll tell you, I've been to a lot of these comedy classes. They're all poor and they all kind of sound the same. They all kind of sound like a, like a monotone version of the teacher. And, uh, but all of their friends and all of their other people that are in the classes, friends are there. So it's a full room and everyone's being super nice and they're doing so well. And it takes them years to try to stop being what they were their first time instead of growing. It's like they fight the evolution because a teacher told them how to do it. And you're like, no, you have to evolve. It's a constant state of evolution. No, that's actually really good advice. So if one wants to be a comedian, you have to just go for it. You can't even, it's like, you, it's like riding a bike, right? I could read about it. I could watch Mm -hmm. YouTube videos, but until I actually get on it and start figuring out my own way of doing it, I'm just not going to figure it out. Right. Exactly that. Yeah. No, it would be like if I was watching TV and, you know, I ride a bike and you sat in the middle of the living room and pushed your feet like as if you're in a bike and you're like, is this how I do it? And I go, get on the fucking bike, man. (laughs) I don't need to see your feet in the air. And you go, no, but I need to know that my feet are in the right place. And you're like, they're going to go on the pedals when you put them on the bike. I like anything you do in between the host introducing you and you walking off is stand-up it might be a better version or worse version of it but it's stand-up whatever you're doing at that time is that so stop worrying about it and just do it that's actually really good advice like that's a great like i think a good you know analogy we just came up with yeah you came up with it good job (laughs) because it is people theorizing about riding a bike and you're like you got to get on it and you've got to fall a bunch of times and then you're going to learn how to just kind of balance on it. Yeah. And it takes you a while before you got to get good at learning how to balance to be able to do tricks, which by the way, the yeah. balancing and standup is just comfort and presentation before you worry about like the, doing these fancy ass jokes. Yeah. I will say two pieces of advice to help you stop looking like a brand new person is when you walk up to the stage, take the microphone out of the mic stand. Move the mic stand far behind you. If it takes a while, so be it. No one cares. In fact, I like to try to take two or three seconds to do it to let everyone know I'm already comfortable up there. Fuck them. They'll hear my jokes when I'm ready. You put the mic stand far behind you, and then you go to the front of the stage and hold your microphone so you don't play with the mic stand. The number one nervous tell is everyone who's nervous plays with the mic stand and they play with it a lot. 
mic stands break often at open mics because people consistently fiddle with it. I would say 80% of the time you're watching a new comedian, they are just fiddling with the top of the mic stand until they break it. So move it away from you because all of that nervousness that you have that you want to put into fiddling, if you throw at the audience, might just work. Okay, what about drinking? I suggest not drinking ever in life. What about it? (laughs) I do. No one's at their best when they're drunk. No one is. You're actually at your worst. You're at your slowest. You're at your slurriest. You're at your not funniest. You're at your most abrasive and your most hateable. Yeah, let's start drinking before I try to make myself likable. No, I think that drinking is is a gross thing. Not that it's gross to drink, but the behavior that people think that they can now get away with because they're a little bit drunk is disgusting and it's truly within you and a thing you need to go to therapy for. I think drinking is awful. Uh, So don't. I've never seen someone go, well, thank God they're drunk for this. Note to self, do not go on stage buzzed. Yeah, because it's you're just you're trying to mask your insecurity, but the reality is, it's getting good at stand up is overcoming it. Yeah, that's a good life lesson. I like that. You I think it is. Even that's, if like, someone didn't really want to go into it, like, yeah, yeah. No, I think I, if someone didn't really truly like want to go in Hey Marie. I think Marie? that just doing it like Wait, stop you talking, just said Marie. would teach someone a lot of things. You broke up really bad and we yeah. need you to repeat all of that yes. again. You yeah, repeat it all again. Okay. Um, so it sounds like to me, like even if someone didn't really want to get into uh comedy like as a full-time thing or like you know, even professionally, I think if someone just did it, just says even just like a even a hobby, I think someone could mm-hmm. someone could like learn a lot of life lessons out of this. I think so. And I think it's a great hobby. And I think that there is a lot to learn. And getting better at stand-up really is a journey into yourself and how to celebrate a lot of yourself. And it does give you confidence. And yeah. it does it does teach you to overcome things. Yeah, I really like it. You know, you have to stare at an audience that's not nice and not being cool with other people. And you have to go, yeah, but I got them. You know, like, and that's that's a great way to go through life. Would you recommend, well, I don't know about recommend, but would you suggest, I guess, that maybe every person at least do one stand-up comedy in their life? Just to, like, see how it is? Not even at all. No, because some people don't want to do it. And so why do it? Only do it if you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. By the way, if you're doing it and you don't like doing it, stop doing it. Yeah. I love, the, I uh, I like just hassled Chris to do it. Chris mm-hmm. did it once and he was like, hey, I did it. I didn't like it. And you're like, all what? right, cool. <laughs> yeah, you just didn't like it. Well, I didn't know Chris did that. That's awesome. He did it once, didn't like it. That was it. And you're like, all right, cool, man. I agree with him a little bit. Like, no, but you got to go back and try it again. He goes, no, I, I didn't like it. Yeah. And if you don't like it, I don't think you need to do it. I, 
it's not like being a waitress. I feel like everyone should be a waiter or a waiter or waitress once in their life. Yeah. But I do not feel the same about stand up. Okay. Well, that's a good, yeah. That's what I was wondering if it, if it was something that, you know, yeah. you would say to try. Yeah. And I also think people need to be more honest with themselves about whether they do or don't like it. I see a lot of people up there that don't like it. And you're like, all right, if you, this is your journey to overcome, then keep coming. But if you're just beating yourself up over a thing you don't even like to do because you want a different thing, well, then stop that. Why is people that. Are even doing it? In LA, they think it's a way to be seen better. And so a lot of people are trying to be actors. And so they go up on stage just to like try to like get booked in things in the future from these people and stuff. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I get it. But also some people just like, they love stand-up. What they don't realize is they don't like doing stand-up. Yeah. It's like, no, it's okay to love it and not be in it. There was, um, oh, I was going to say, there was another piece of advice you were going to share. Um, there was? What was it? Oh, no, take the mic out of the mic stand as one. Yes. Move it far away from you is two. Oh, okay, okay, gotcha. So those are just the because two you things. don't want to fiddle. Yeah, so you don't fiddle with it. So stop fiddling with the mic stand. Take it out of the mic. I understand some people put it in the mic or keep it in the mic stand. You can earn that later, but when you first start out, don't put it up there to fiddle with it. Once you get to the point that you stop fiddling with things, then you can figure out if you're a person that uses the mic stand or not. Yeah. It's also considered rude to use the stool, believe it or not. The stool is for your phone to record the sets and to drink. To sit on the stool, you got to earn. People oh. that sit on the stool is like, it's just rude in the community. People are like, what did you, oh, you think you're better than me? Because you think like, I can put all this effort and you're like, you're sitting down and it is an insecurity. It is a, it is a dumb thing. Uh, it should be more of a shelf than a stool. So, yes, it is considered rude to you to sit on the stool. It's considered rude to show your legs. Oh, really? Yeah, if you're wearing shorts, people, it's distracting to wear shorts. Men and women, you're just like, what is this? You're like, who is this that I'm talking to? It looks, it's a bad presentation. It looks like laundry day, like you stop doing laundry day and you go do stand-up. And so people are always like meaner and shorter to the people who are wearing shorts or girls in short skirts. Uh, They're just kind of like, no, no, no. You're supposed to be presenting stand-up. Let that be your thing. And like, and girls, when they first start, like to dress up like over the top for it, which I understand because they're like, this is how I'm presentable for like a dinner party. But there's just, yes. which some of that changes back and forth. But I feel like when you're working out material, especially in your first couple of years when you have zero material, so everything's working out material, make the focus yeah. the material and not like that I have a pretty dress or like in my case, I have oddly buff legs. It's distracting the people. They will mention it every time I wear shorts. I don't want them looking you do at have my big legs. Calves. I have big calves and I have tattoos on my legs and nobody needs to see that when working on my jokes they need to only know that i'm working on jokes the jokes should be the only focus that's actually why i stopped wearing shirts that even say anything i don't know if you noticed all of my shirts have become blank through time 
Oh, okay. So it's not distracting. I don't need anybody on stage. Or when I'm on stage, they need to worry about nothing more than my face and the jokes coming out of it. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. It keeps them up here. Because every now and then you will look down and you'll read the same like University of Nebraska over and over and over again. If there's not that to look at, they will look right back at you. Which honestly, I started doing better after that because I think I keep their attention longer. But that's 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 little things. Once you get further down the yeah. line, you learn a lot of littler things to start working on. All right, here's another question I have. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, you're sh- can you you're sharing some really good tips with me actually. So let's say you know, for for let's say if I were if I were to do this for my first time. You know, obviously, I wouldn't really want to offend any other comedian. So I like that you say, you know, not to wear shorts, don't wear skirts, um, don't sit on the stool. You know, what else can I do to prevent myself from not offending anyone or just because, you know, someone being nil, we don't know these rules. So, I mean, like, sure. what else, I guess. What but are also, the other when that rules? happens, people are nice about that stuff. We're just like, hey, um, I mean, don't heckle the other comedians. Which, by yeah. the way, every time I've watched somebody brand new go up, heckling, which happens, I would say like 10% of the people that are brand new think they're funnier than everybody because they haven't bombed yet and they're watching other people bomb, not realizing those people are also just as funny as them. They're just haven't experienced what these other people have experienced yet. Yeah. Uh, the, some of those people's defense mechanisms is I'm going to heckle before I get up there to show that I'm funnier than the rest of the room. And part of the reason they want to do stand-ups because they feel like they're funnier. And don't, don't heckle. Like I literally, when I used to start the open mic, if I was to call a name and the heckler stood up to come up, I'd be like, I'm sorry. No, you heckled. You took away other people's time. That was your time. You can come back again with manners and then I'll put you up. So like, don't do that. Those people were usually, I want to say all the time. Every time there was a heckler that was like going up for the first time was because they were drunk. Hmm. Like, okay. try to be your best. Try to be your best. Try to be nice. You got to be nice to fucking everybody because the scene is the same people. Yeah. It really, especially like, I'm in a bigger city, but you're in a smaller city. You're, yeah. you're in Tucson. So the Tucson scene's about 60 people deep. They all know all of them. Okay. So it's like, Believe it or not, being neutral without friends in the middle, but knowing all of them, to me, feels like the best, most comfortable way to go about it. But that's how I go about it. Um, that's, that's really, that's kind of it. Like, they will tell you. Like, I've had people, I've watched people tell people, like, hey, you shouldn't be wearing shorts. And then people get defensive about it. And you're like, no, I get it. But also, like, what if the person who can change your life is in the audience? Yeah, seriously. Like you want to be prepared to look like you're already prepared. Yeah. But that's years in for your first time. Don't worry about it. That's I'm talking about 10 years in problems. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Your first time problems is going up. You haven't gone up enough yet. If you're in your first three years, I guarantee you the answer to the question that you're asking is go up more. Okay. That's really good tips. I really like mm-hmm. that. I think you answered a lot of my questions and probably a lot of other people's questions. Yeah, that's why I wanted to record this. Um, well, the baby alarm just went off, so I think it's time to wrap this up. 
<laughs> yeah. All right, Lori, uh, if you have any more questions about stand-up, go to an open mic and ask them. I'm going to for sure. I love you. Love you too. I'm editing that out of the podcast. That's it. That's my advice. If you want to try stand-up, you've never tried it, there it is. Thank you, Marie, for doing that with me. I don't want to do that ever again. So uh, so if you're listening to this, it might be because I sent you a link, because you asked me for advice, because you've never gone up. And I think I'll use this link for years to do this. Which, by the way, if you're a comedian or somebody listening, or if you got this advice and thought it was good advice, and now we're like a year down the line and someone's asking you how to get into stand-up, and you listen to this first, share this. I would love that. I would love for this to just be a thing that's out there for people who need the help to just know it's just important to get up. Go to open mics. Go to open mics. Go to open mics. That's it. That's what's important. Uh... Another basic thing, somebody actually sent me a message because I promoted this last week. They asked me about women in stand-up needing any specific advice towards starting out as a woman in stand-up. I am not a woman in stand-up, clearly. So they're not asking because of my expertise. They're asking because I'm a person they know and they're a woman. Um, I would say show up with a friend. Leave with that friend. Don't go to any secondary locations with any comedians. Which, by the way, is a rule I still do to this day. Unless I really know and trust you, I don't go to you to another location. Treat every comedy club like it's a bar. All the rules of a bar apply at open mics and comedy clubs because it's the same schmucks and schmoes, and I don't trust them. I'm sorry. The best part about this is, is once you go to even two open mics. You start to make friends that also go to open mics a lot. So you don't got to keep dragging your friend that doesn't care, that doesn't want to go. You know, like once the shine of like you starting open mics is over, you have other open mic friends and you can be like, hey, I'm going to meet you there. Which I still do to this day too. Not always. There's a couple I trust, but if I'm going to a brand new open mic, I try to bring another open mic friend with me. Just... Just so we don't end up somewhere super bad. I've been to a couple of locations that have been just super bad. And you walk in and you just got that feeling in your gut. And you go, hey man, we don't have to do this one. This one feels bad. You know, like, and not like the sense of like, there's 20 of us and we're all bombing. That's fine. That's supposed to happen. That's supportive. I mean, like I walked into a restaurant once and I was like, is this where the open mic's supposed to be? And the guy from the kitchen's like, yeah. And there was nobody in the restaurant. So I started moving tables all around. And he's like, okay, go ahead right here right now. And it was just like the restaurant was closed. And why am I doing this for the cook? And only the cook. And there's no other comics. And except for my one friend who's like, okay, let's do sets. And I was like, no, 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 this isn't how this is done. So I just left. <laughs> you know, like that's, that happens. That's my advice. Treat it the same rules you would treat a bar. I'm going to have a female comic on later. And we'll talk about the navigating the comedy scene as a woman, because I don't have that experience. I have to get somebody who's actually lived it to really tell me all about it, because otherwise it's just all the hearsay that I've heard said, 
and I need to have them here to talk about it. So I will. I'm going to get a woman to do that for you because that's important to me. A follow-up to this will be rules for women who want to start stand-up. That will be a whole episode that we'll just have out there that people can listen to. Um, if you liked my sister and you thought she was funny, she said a couple really cool things. She said some good things. She said a couple really wise things. The thing about the bicycle, totally off her dome. I love it. I'm going to use that forever when people talk to me about this stuff. Um, you can go to her Instagram. Follow her at Riri Garcia. It's R-E-R-E-E-G-A-R-C-I-A. We've been calling her Riri our whole lives. Just a short way of saying Marie. I don't know how we made it Riri, but we did. And then, of course, she's married. So hands off, guys. That's where she gets the Garcia. You know, if you want to go ahead and follow her on her journey, we'll see if she does stand up or not. Up to her, really. It's really up to her. Although uh, most of my listeners, I don't think are in Arizona, but I have a good chunk. I'm not going to tell you any more than the state she's in. All right. Uh, next episode. Next episode I'm excited for. Jose Barrientos. Good friend of mine. God, he, great guy. He and I met when I first started working at Flappers. So I maybe met him eight years ago. He was nervous as hell because he was filming a bit for 2020. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about that at all in the episode. But if you want to go look at that clip of Jose Barrientos on 2020, he pretended he didn't speak English in a community college for a full year at a speech class. And he just did broken English in his speech class the entire year, pretended he didn't know English very well, and fooled his whole class. And then his final speech, he uh, told them that he had fooled them the entire year. And it got a million hits, and he was kicked out of school. <laughs> and then 2020 covered it, and then they brought him right back to school. None of that's covered in that episode, but what a great story. Uh, Jose and I, um, there's no better way to say it. We bullshit for a, for a bit, and it's really funny. Like, we do the road together, and we have great conversations. I love the way we talk in our green rooms. This is like the kind of conversation we have next is the kind of conversation that we have in the green room before we go on stage that really just ramps us up to feel funny. We make each other feel funny. And we get each other in this great joking mood and we get this great rhythm and you get to experience how we go from zero to that rhythm. Like, honestly, I've never had a bad set after hanging out with Jose because we put ourselves in this mood and this rhythm. And it's the same way that we have in the episode. If I had a set right after that episode, I'm sure I would have crushed. I'm sure Jose would have crushed. Uh, so you get to experience that with us. Jose Barriento, <laughs> I almost didn't give him the plural, is next. As always, guys, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. I love it when you do that stuff. I just got stickers in. I'm going to order some pins. And after that, I'm going to start bribing you guys to leave some of these comments and stuff and some of these reviews. And I'll send you guys some merch. How does that sound? But it sounds good. Follow me at Aaron M. Marsh on everything. Thank you for listening. And thank you for putting up with me. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Whether I find a place in this world or never belong I've got to be me, I gotta be me What else can I be but what I am? I'll go 
what that's how it must be I can't be right for anyone else if I'm not right for me I've got to be free I gotta be free 